Hello, and welcome to Glory Be. Interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Father Vince Fernandez, and we're joined by our producer, Mike Malcolm. Our guest this week is Father John O'Neill. He was ordained to the priesthood in 2016 and is currently the pastor of St. James and St. John before the Lateran Gate in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. He was raised in a devout Catholic family in Okeen, Oklahoma. He earned a bachelor's in business administration with a minor in music from Southwestern Oklahoma State University, a master of arts in Catholic thought and life, a master of theological studies, and a certificate in spiritual direction, all from St. Minerid. He is a second career vocation, and before he joined the seminary, he worked in operational management, career recruiting, and eight years as coordinator of volunteer resources at Catholic Charities of Eastern Oklahoma. He is the chaplain for Encourage, serves on the Board of Governors at Catholic Charities, and is active in the Bartlesville Ministerial Alliance. So welcome, welcome, Father O'Neill. We're so excited you're here. Well, it's a blessing to be here. Thank you for the invite. Well... We're, uh, you know, it's unusual times right now. It's, uh, we're in the middle of a, still in the middle of a pandemic. How has your quarantine been? Well, you know, I've, uh, for those who may not know, I just came out of a 21-day isolation because I had COVID myself. I had very light symptoms. I have to have a sinus infection at the same time. So uh, the symptoms were a little lingering. That's why mine was a little longer. But uh, here I am. I'm still alive. I'm ready to go. This will be my first Sunday back in the saddle at uh, St. John and St. James. So I've celebrated three or four Masses. had the Mass this morning for the school children at uh, St. John Catholic School this morning. It was great to be with them again. So it's been an interesting moment. So do you have an associate? I do have an associate pastor, Father Carlos, and he actually had COVID also at the same time. So we had to shut down our daily Masses and just have uh, other priests come in. In fact, Father Vince came in and did a couple of Sunday morning Masses for us a couple of weeks ago, and we're thankful for you to do that, Father Vince, to be able to come and and be a part of our parish. He spent uh, time just before he was ordained a deacon uh, at uh, St. John before the Latin Gate as a seminarian, so that was a good time to have you there. Yeah, that was a fun summer. I, it's a really, Bartlesville is, if we have any Bartlesville listeners, your city is awesome. Is it, it counts as a city, right? It's a city. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, it's great, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I lived, I'm in Tulsa guy, you know, for the rest of my, my whole life. It's a great place, Bartlesville. I've been very at home there, good people, and uh, uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic of a city because of the ConocoPhillips and Phillips 66 companies that have been headquartered there for all these years. It's, it's like a large city, very metropolitan, uh, very diverse in the population that's there. We've got PhDs and physicists. And uh, in fact, in, in one of our grades in school, we have 13 children. And of those 13 children, seven of the parents are PhD, or, uh, yeah, PhD physicists, chemists. Oh. Oh. And uh, so it's, you know, we get all kinds of STEM stuff done at school. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's so you great. have a school. We have a school also, yes. Like K through 8th? Or? Pre-K 3 through 8th grade. Oh, great. And uh, then we have, uh, uh, we also have, you know, all the normal things that a parish has, religious education, the RCIA. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful parish. Uh, both parishes, St. James, I just, I was the pastor of St. John before the Latin Gate uh, beginning three and a half years ago, and then this last July Bishop asked if I would be the par- uh, pastor of St. James, which is also in Bartlesville. 
And uh, in that, uh, I'm the first pastor in Bartlesville that has been pastor of both parishes. They've always had two different pastors. So uh, we're setting some kind of precedent there with me. Whether that's a good precedent or a bad precedent, <laughs> that's still to go. Uh, Father Archie Fernandez, oh, yeah. uh, Father Vince's uncle, was the pastor there before for 13 years. He, yeah. he served the people well yeah. in Bartlesville. So they miss him, and he's he's been able to came, come back, and he actually celebrated their 55th anniversary of the first Mass at St. James. Oh, wow. He came back a, a few months ago and celebrated that for us. So That's awesome. Crazy. That was nice, yeah. You know, I was thinking, our, some people will be watching, and they will see that you have gray hair, but you were not <laughs> ordained until 2016. That's right. And you say that you are a second career vocation when I was looking at your bio online, so... Can you talk to us about your vocation story? What is a second career vocation? Well, um, so uh, let me see. We have 30 minutes for this part. Yeah, but no, yeah I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay, so, so, um, so I actually received the first call out of college to become a priest. And I actually called my girlfriend at the time and said, uh, I think we need to break up because I'm going to go to seminary and go become a priest. And that lasted, I think, about three weeks. And I ended up getting married to her. And we were married for 16 years, and so I did go through a divorce uh, some years ago. And through the church, I received an annulment for that divorce. And that's what then opened the door again for me to reenter into priesthood. And so after my divorce and, and some other things that happened in my life, was kind of searching for what God wanted to do with me. And I heard again the call to the priesthood. So I actually went to seminary from 2005 to 2008. And that's when I received my two uh, master's degrees. So I'm smart. I have the paperwork. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> and um, while I was there, uh, I got to be a chaplain at a hospital. I got to do prison ministry. I went to Mexico for a summer to learn Spanish. It was a beautiful time of learning and, and growing in my faith. And uh, then after three years, uh, it was pretty evident that, that God did not want me to be a priest at that time. So I actually left seminary. And went to work at Catholic Charities. I was there for eight years as their volunteer coordinator. And uh, they had volunteers but didn't really have a formalized program, so I was brought in to formalize the program. I had been an executive recruiter for 18 years, so I had spent my life recruiting people, and so it seemed like a good mix. Plus, I had a couple of master's degrees. I'd done seminary, so there was lots of positives for me to come to Catholic Charities. So I was there for eight years. I helped grow the program from about 450 volunteers a year to about 4,000 volunteers a year. We moved from the 12 or nine different locations around Tulsa to the one campus on North Harvard all in that time. And then things got stabilized, and then God again for the third time said, let's go be a priest. And so then I approached Bishop Slattery, and we had some prayer time about it for a few months and different talk, and, and lo and behold, here I am. And uh, so now I'm a priest at so a much later part in my life. I know. That's just fascinating. I did not know that. So you didn't have to go do, like, philosophy and then theology. Oh, yeah. No, I, I did three years. What I did is I went into, a, uh, at the time it was a five-year program. Now it's a six-year program if you go okay. into it. And I did the three years of a five-year program. But I went in mid-semester, so I took some extra hours. In fact, one semester, I took 21 hours of master's level classes. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> I literally wrote a paper, a five-page paper, every other day. Oh. Oh, my goodness. My brain was mashed potatoes that entire semester. Jeez. It was a beautiful time. Again, I learned so much. 
But then after that three years, because I got these two degrees, when I came back to Bishop Slattery uh, just a few years ago and said, you know, I, I think God is calling me to be a priest, I didn't have to go back and finish that other year and a half of school uh, because he said, you've just okay. spent eight years at Catholic Charities doing pastoral care. Uh, we don't need to send you back to school for the education. So I actually did a, uh, a practicum with Father John Grant, who's the director of liturgy for the diocese. And so weekly I would meet with him on learning how to say Mass and how to administer the sacraments and that kind of thing. And so it was a, a beautiful customized program just for me. And uh, I feel so blessed because uh, in theory I would have had to gone back to school for another year and a half but since I already had two master's degrees and all this experience, uh, God opened the door for me to get on the fast track. So it was actually on October 22nd, 2015, is when the bishop said, you are now a seminarian, which is the feast day of John Paul II. Oh, awesome. And uh, so I remember that day so well. And uh, then I was ordained uh, February 6th, uh, uh, transitional deacon, and then July 16th of uh, 2016 was ordained a priest. I and Father Sean O'Brien were ordained priests that day, uh, and we were the first two priests ordained by our new bishop, Bishop Condrela. He had just been installed about 20 days before, 17 days before, something like that. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so so I feel all these different connections and and, uh, different things that have been blessed. Uh, In that meeting with Bishop on October 22nd, um, he, at that time, had sent his letter in, uh, Bishop Slattery, okay. uh, sent his letter in about retiring. And he knew that at some point in the future he was going to be replaced. And he said, well, John, it'll be good uh, to know that uh, whoever ordains you, you know, I'm happy for them. And I said, well, Bishop Slattery, I want you to ordain me. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, God may have something else in mind because, you know, I'm getting ready to retire. Little did I know that a few months later, when I was to be ordained a deacon, and he was still the bishop here, he actually got the flu. So on Friday night, we had the uh, uh, prayer service, you know, the vigil. And then on Saturday, when I was ordained, he was unable to do it. So Archbishop Beltran came over from Oklahoma City and actually ordained me a transitional deacon, which I'm actually from the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. That's where I grew up in Okeene. And uh, so it was a blessing because I've known the Archbishop through Catholic Charities. And it was a beautiful thing to have him ordain me a transitional deacon. And then he came back when Bishop Condor ordained me a priest. Uh, Archbishop Beltran was there as well as Bishop Slattery was there for that. So we had three bishops mm. at that particular ordination. So, And Father Sean O'Brien, even though he's much younger than me, he was ordained like about 42 seconds before me. And so, <laughs> so for a whole year, I said, well, I'm the youngest priest of the right. diocese right. of That's Tulsa great. in Eastern Oklahoma. I have fond memories of Archbishop. Who was, um, who was, yeah. in your, who was the seminary brother with you in like 2005 when you first entered? So um, uh, people that were uh, in school at that time, Father Brian O'Brien was there, okay. Father Gary Castle uh, Father Van Wynn, Father Valentine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, these were all gentlemen that were in seminary with me at St. Mindred. Okay. They were a little older than me. I was the only one in my class. Well, actually, Father John Grant and I entered on the same day at St. Mindred. And then he transferred from Mindred to uh, Colorado. Right. And so his track was on a little different because he did a spiritual year when he went out to Colorado, St. John Vianney. Okay. Did you have 
spirit, uh, certificate in spiritual direction also from Nynard. Yes, and I got you, that. I got yeah. that during my time at Catholic Charities. Okay. Yeah, so I actually did a distance learning where I'd go back for a couple of weeks a year, but do most of it distance learning to get that. So that's like a half master's degree. So I have two and a half master's degrees. Okay. So talk to us about that certificate in spiritual direction. I get asked all the time, what is spiritual direction? We've had a lot of people on who have referred to spiritual direction. I go to spiritual direction. Father Benz goes to Father John is actually my spiritual director. There you go. He said it, not me. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I was waiting. I was going to see if he would say that because we had my spiritual director on. And Father Benz asked him, do you have anything spicy about Sharon? So I'm wondering, do you have anything spicy about Father Benz? That's between Father Vince and I and God. (laughs) Yes, I know. I know. So can you talk about what spiritual direction is and how you... Get a spiritual director if people are interested. Well, spiritual direction, a spiritual director is someone who walks with their directee on their journey with God. It's as simple as that, walking with them on their journey. So uh, since Father Vince said he's uh, a directee, uh, Father Vince is on a journey with God in his life. I'm walking with him. I am not telling him where to go. I'm not telling him how to walk, but I'm walking with him. And then there may be times when he's in a prayer place or anybody is in a prayer place or, or they're not sure what spiritually God is calling them to or they're, they're having to discern something. Those are the kind of things that we talk out and, and see how, that, how, how I might see objectively, not in that person's brain, right, but somebody who's observing where they're at and help them try to navigate this journey that they have. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I, I've had a spiritual director now for mm, 15 years, 16 years. I've actually had three different spiritual directors in my life that have been long-term spiritual directors. Sometimes you'll go on a retreat. I've been on retreats where I've been someplace for like three or four days in a row, and we'll go to spiritual director to somebody in that retreat that will help me process that time with God in the retreat. But uh, spiritual direction, for the most part, is somebody who's developed a long-term relationship. I've actually done spiritual direction for about 15 years, too, but not with, not with this formal certificate. So I received that formal certificate, I think, in 2016. I think I got it just before I was ordained a priest uh, is when I actually received the certificate. And if people want to go to spiritual direction, does the diocese have a list or? There's not a formal list, and we've actually been talking some of the priests of the diocese about developing a program to grow spiritual directors, okay? Because there are a lot more people that want spiritual direction and need spiritual direction than there are spiritual directors. Uh, I would say the first place someone might go is to their uh, parish priest and to visit with them about what you know, that might be like, I have people inside of my parish that are spiritual directors. They're not priests, mm-hmm. uh, but then I can refer people to them. Okay. So. Well, speaking of spiritual direction and your spiritual life, this is kind of the time that we sort of transition to talk about. We're called glory be interesting people and in how they pray. We want to talk about your prayer life. Okay. Um, so, we we how do you pray every day? I know you're a priest, and there are certain things that you probably that you have to do, or that you're. Well, I guess maybe one big question. Sorry to interrupt, but I would just say because you lived a full life essentially as a, <laughs> or you know in a, a secular <laughs> life, right? As a, 
as a um, I, I here's the thing, Father Father John he counts as one of the young priests. Like we meet with the bishop once a month, all the young priests do, and and he's there with us. So you're very much a young priest, which is awesome. But um, but I guess one question for you is, you know that that first vocation that you had, right? I'm sure you had a prayer life then. Now as a priest, um, is it the same kind of prayer life? Is it different? Um, obviously, liturgy hours. Like, we have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big difference there. But has it evolved, or do you still encounter God in the same way as you did as a layman and, and now as a priest? Or? Well, I think there are some that are the same, some pieces that are the same and other pieces that are different. You know, in, in my walk in life, I've a cradle Catholic. I've uh, always attended Mass. I've always been involved in the church. I've never left the church. Uh, there were times when maybe I wasn't as as um, should I say uh, uh, loyal to go every <laughs> Sunday or whatever. But uh, uh, even through college, uh, you know, I I went to mass, and, and a lot of this I attribute to a conversation with my mother when I was about twelve or thirteen. I was a young teenager, wasn't sure, and there was a Sunday I just told my mom, I said, you know, I really don't want to go to mass today, mm. and my mom. Being my mom, a wise woman, she said, well, why not? I said, I just don't feel like it. And she said, well, what are you going to do to honor the Lord's Day? Now, I wasn't ready for that question. And so I didn't, I don't know. She said, well, okay, go get ready. We're going to Mass today. You think about this week and next weekend, we'll talk about that. And so all week long, I'm thinking, what would I do to honor the Lord's Day? What would I do to honor the Lord's Day? And when the next weekend came, I had figured out that the best way to honor the Lord's Day is to go to Mass. And so when we had that conversation, I said, yeah, I think it's to go to Mass. That is the day my faith became my own. It was no longer my parents' faith. It was my faith. My mother was a wise woman. She could have beat me and said, no, you're going to go to Mass until, (laughs) you know, whatever. And then when I turned 18 and left for college, I wouldn't have gone. So it started there. And then, you know, had... We were a small town, O'Keen, had a nice little Catholic church, had a little youth group, started playing guitar, started playing guitar in church and different things like that. Went through college. I continued to play guitar in church and be involved uh, through all my life. Always been involved in church. When I first got out of college, my new church, I played in the choir. I was a lector. I taught, I think it was the six-year-olds in religious education on Sundays between Mass. You know, just always been involved in the church. And then, and then later in life, and, and, and uh, the woman that I married was not Catholic and never joined the Catholic Church. She did go through RCIA to learn about the Catholic Church, and we went to church together for a long time. And then we actually, there was a time period when I would go to Mass, and then I would go home and pick her up, and we would go to a non-denominational church because she was more interested in that, but I wanted to go with her and worship with her at that moment. And so we, we did that for a few years before our divorce. Um, but then after the divorce, and I'm back in myself, I'm, I'm in the Catholic Church, I'm focusing on that, I'm doing some volunteer things, I'm doing lots of prayer things, and I really, I, I really felt drawn to go to daily Mass. And so I lived near St. Benedict's, I was a parishioner of St. Anne's, but I lived near St. Benedict's, so some days I would go to St. Benedict's, and some days I would go to St. Anne's, and then I started coming, when I started working at 71st and Sheridan, I started coming to uh, St. Francis Hospital every morning at 7.30 for Mass and then go to work at 8. And that just became the habit. I'd drive into town, I'd go to work, and I started doing this daily Mass thing. And I noticed in in everything else that was around spirituality for me, 
going to daily mass fed all the rest of it. It, it, it made it look attractive. It made it look relevant. It, 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 it made it uh, a deeper part of my relationship with God because of daily mass. And so after doing daily mass for a while, and, and actually I, I connected with a Curcio retreat that I went on. I connected with some uh, charismatic prayer group that was at St. Benedict's at the time and started being involved in that, playing music in the church. I was doing, you know, all these, and, and I was playing music in non-Catholic churches too because I was a good enough guitarist that I could actually get paid to go play guitar in some of these other non-denominational churches and, and Protestant churches. But I was involved, there was just so much of my life that was involved in a prayer and worship and praise and being involved with God. It was just beautiful. And and listening being attentive to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's guiding my life, my main prayer changed to, at one time I remember, instead of just, well, you know, what should I do next, God? It, it, might, it changed to, God, you open a door and I'll step through it. And my life changed in that moment because now I'm looking for the opportunities that God is making available for me. And there were opportunities in the Catholic Church, opportunities in non-denominational churches, opportunities for retreats, opportunities to teach religious education and RCIA and all those so so many different places that I could live my life out the spirituality that I was gaining through my through my prayer life, through my mass attendance, through my scripture study, that kind of thing, and uh, and then that's at, at that time is when. I started understanding about adoration and holy hours. And I remember, again, I'm still living in Broken Arrow, and there would be times at night I would just go, you know, I'm not going to spend some time with God. And I would get in my car, and I would drive down to St. John Hospital, you know, 21st in Utica, just sometimes for just 15 or 20 minutes to go into the adoration chapel and just pray and just be with God. And then, you know, go back home. And, and so now I've got... Daily Mass, I'm, I'm prayer groups, praise and worship, Mass, all these different things going on, adoration and all that. And then that's when I, I felt God tugging on my heart that I was going to be involved in ministry some way. I did not think it was going to be as a priest. I thought it was going to be as music is where I thought it was going to be. But then through prayer time, and in, specifically in some prayer time in that discerning time, it's like, okay, God, what's the deal here? What do you want from me? What do you want for me? And that's when, it, you know, I want you to be a priest. And I literally said to God in this moment of prayer, now I didn't hear God say, I want you to be a priest, <laughs> Father. You know, it wasn't anything. It was just impressed, you know. And I said, I can't be. I was married. That's what I thought. Well, since I'd had my annulment, I, I went to talk to a priest. And he said, no, since you have an annulment, you're free to become a priest. And so that started the path uh, to the priesthood then. And I continued my prayer life uh, and was introduced at that time to Liturgy of the Hours at seminary. And one of the things that Liturgy of the Hours does for me, especially the Office of the Readings, is kind of gets me in a prayerful mode. You know, I, that second reading many times of the Office of Readings is very meaningful. You know, the first reading is always from Scripture. The second reading sometimes is from a saint or a homily. Sometimes it's from a, a document by a pope or some or Vatican II or whatever. There's so many interesting things. But it kind of 
it opens the door for me then to be in this prayerful state in, for conversation with God. Because I really, I really believe prayer is conversation with God. And it can be a rosary, that's conversation. It can be the liturgy of the hours. It can be mass. It can be, you know, God, I'm having a hard day today. Help me out. Or God, thank you for this beautiful sunset, this beautiful sunrise. You know, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you see my sun, that's, I take pictures of sunrises and sunsets and, and skylines and mountains and lakes and things like that. Why? Because it's God's beauty. And, and I think God reveals himself through nature. And I know when I go out and ride my bike or uh, I go out to the hills or sometimes I just, there's a, there's a, a lake near uh, Bartleville. I think you actually took me to it, the, uh, the lake up north, right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, we went up there, and, and I go up now sometimes at sunset and just go set and watch the sun go down over the water. Just, just so beautiful. And so all these things are prayer. Every one of those is prayer. You know, in, in I think it's Thessalonians. I'm not a Bible scholar, okay? Uh, but Thessalonians says, it says, pray unceasingly, you know? Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you. So if you want to know what God's will is, pray unceasingly and give thanks in all things. And that's what I try to do. If you're around me at all, I know you've heard this, Vince, a million times. Thank you, Jesus. How many times a day do you I say You just said it like 20 Jesus? minutes ago, actually, before yeah. we walked in. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time. Why? Because I'm giving thanks in all things. And so that, that sets this attitude of prayer, of just that, okay, I'm open to this conversation with God. I'm open to hear the Holy Spirit. I'm open to have an impression. Um, and and, and, and it's, a, it's, it's this beautiful relationship that God has created for me to have with him. And that's what I want to share. And part of spiritual direction then is helping someone else find what their relationship with God looks like. Because uh, Father Vince, yours is going to be different than mine. Yours, Jaron, is going to be different. Mike, yours is going to be different than mine. But there is a relationship there to be had if we look to explore it. Mm, thank you, Jesus. That was really thank good. <laughs> I'm going to do that now. Um, so we're, we, as you were talking... Um, You've had such a beautiful <clears throat> growth in your spirituality. I mean, I really appreciated your insights. Has there ever been a time in your life when it's been difficult to pray? And you want to tell oh, us? Oh, it's, it's, this sometimes can be um, um, uh, just in an everyday time. There's, there's a time when it's, I don't know how to articulate to God what's going on right now. You know, r- right now... The challenges that there are with the pandemic, you know, the the being in the confessional, looking out into the 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 you know the the sanctuary at mass, and only seeing twenty five percent or thirty percent of the people there, and knowing that there's some and some are online, right? Because we do mass online like you do here at St. Mary's, and and knowing that. The hunger is still there for a relationship with God, but because of the pandemic and all that's going on, it's so many people are fearful. It's sometimes hard mm-hmm. to to articulate that. It's hard to 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 walk that through uh, for somebody, especially and and you know with the the challenges right now and the conflicts right now in the world. Um, 
So many things in the world draw us to judge others. Okay? So if I'm a mask wearer and you're not a mask wearer, you know, I'm judging you. And if I'm a not mask wearer and you're a mask wearer, I'm judging you, right? If I'm on the left side politically or on the right side politically, I am judging you and we have conflict. And that conflict distracts us from who we are in our relationship with God. And so in the, many times in the confessional, it's, it's helping people understand that these things are exactly what the evil one wants to use to distract us from our relationship with God. And so a prayer is such a part of that, is to, to help us avoid being sucked in to the distractions, but to allow ourselves to be drawn to Christ drawn to God the Father, drawn to the Holy Spirit. Well, that was great. Thank you so much. So you've given me so much to think about. I wanted to ask you, I guess the final thing that we ask everyone before we close is if you had one thing that you wanted the entire world to pray for, a prayer intention, what would that be? If you could ask everybody, please pray for this. Well, I I would think... um, one of the gifts that God gives us that sometimes we don't um, understand or realize or capitalize on is awareness. You know, I'm sitting here right now, and I'm aware the three of you are here, and I'm aware of what's going on, I'm aware of the environment. Part of my spiritual direction training has trained me to just be aware of my surroundings. Um but also being aware that when I'm being drawn to something that is distracting me, should I be drawn to that? Is You know, it says in Scripture also, whatsoever is good, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is holy, whatsoever is edifying, whatever is good of report, think on these things. Am I aware that this thing that has me thinking right now is taking me to a dark place? Mm. Boy, if I'm aware of that, if I'm aware then God can work with me. God can help me. If I'm clueless and I follow that path, that rabbit hole, it can be very dangerous. So I think if people pray for an awareness, an awareness of God's presence, just an awareness of what's going on around them, I think that would be an important thing. That's excellent. (coughs) Because when you were saying that, I was thinking, sometimes I pick up my phone, I'm not even aware of it, and I'm halfway through the social media, you know, or one of my kids is talking to me, and I'm not aware. I mean, I'm busy doing something else, so I, I love that. Right, for a greater gift of awareness. I mean, I, that's yeah, definitely needed. I th- and I think that challenge is, you mentioned your phone, social media, uh, you know, all the different uh, distractions that can be, commercials, magazines, every, you know, what we listen to, what we watch, it all goes in up here. Right. Mm-hmm. We should be aware of what goes in. Yeah. Right. You know. Well, that's excellent. Well, would you? We're thank you so much for being a guest this week, Father Vince. Uh, you suggested it, and you, he thought you'd be great, and you have been. So we so appreciate you coming in. And if you'll close us with a glory be, absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as, as it, was it was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, now and ever shall, shall be. be. World without end. Amen. Amen. 
Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.